0: <laughs> and laughs Theater of the Mind The best love programs from radio's golden age Only on Zoomer Radio Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor
1: Well, thank you, and welcome to the show The Saint was a radio adventure program in the United States That featured a character of swashbuckling devil-may-care Robin Hood type who, in his attempt to help people, remained just one step ahead of the police and the crooks. Vincent Price was an art collector and consultant with a degree in art history. He lectured and wrote books on the subjects, as a matter of fact, and he was the founder of the Vincent Price Art Museum in California. He was also a noted gourmet cook. He was born in St. Louis, Missouri, the youngest of four children. Now, his father was president of National Camden Company, and his grandfather, Vincent Clarence Price, invented Dr. Price's baking powder— and secured the family's fortune. In the 50s, Vincent Price moved into horror films with a role in House of Wax, 1953, the first 3D film to land in the year's top 10 in the North American box office scene. He also appeared to great effect in the radio drama Three Skeleton Key, a story of an island lighthouse besieged by an army of rats. Jeez, I'm going to have to look for that one. Now here's something, I'm going to have to check things out on this, but apparently Price accepted a cameo part in the Canadian children's television program The Hilarious House of Frankenstein, It was 1971, in Hamilton, Ontario, on the local television station CHCH. In addition to the opening and closing monologues, his role in the show was to recite poems about the show's various characters, sometimes wearing a cloak or other costume. That show, I believe, starred Billy Billy Van, didn't it? Mm? Now, anyway, here he is in the episode, The Corpse That Said Ouch.
2: The Adventures of the Saints, starring Vincent Price. The Saints, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris, and known to millions from books, magazines, and motion pictures. The Robin Hood of modern crime now comes transcribed to radio, starring Hollywood's brilliant and talented actor, Vincent Price, as... The Saints. I'm not home.
3: It's the middle of the night and I'm asleep. I'm in Schenectady, sitting up with a sick aunt.
4: Oh. Hello. Hello. Are you Simon Templar?
3: Well, come in and we'll compare social security cards.
4: Thank you. I thought you were in Schenectady.
3: Never heard of the place.
4: Sitting up with a sick aunt.
3: She recovered suddenly.
4: Simon. I need help, desperately. Why? Because I'm dead.
3: You're what? Dead. Oh, well, of course, I'm of my best
4: friends. Simon, my name is Francis Blake. Here, read this. Read? That little item down in the corner, under obituaries.
3: Obituaries. Hmm. Huh. Says here that the body of Francis Blake is at the Restwell Chapel. Burial at noon tomorrow. You
4: see, the newspapers say that I'm dead.
3: Yeah, but I don't know whether to believe them or not. You uh, are Francis Blair?
4: Oh, of course I am. Mm. Come here a moment. All right.
3: Thank you. Now.
4: Simon, what are you... Oh, no!
3: I take your pardon.
4: You you pinched me. Yes. But-
3: well, I had to make sure I wasn't dreaming.
4: But you're supposed to pinch yourself if you think
3: you're dreamy. I know, but this way was more fun. <laughs> also, I never heard a corpse say ouch before. Therefore, you're not dead.
5: I already knew that.
3: I didn't. Now that that's settled, I think perhaps we ought to go visit. Visit whom? Your corpse.
6: Your <laughs> corpse. Hey
2: your night nice rain or
3: bright. Never mind, Louis. Oh Mr. Templar. had I have known it was you, I wouldn't have bothered with the whims. Had I known it was you, I just wouldn't have bothered. However, Francis. Thank you uh, Louis should perhaps be explained. He's a cab driver I try to avoid. I rarely succeed. Which proves to me that my life isn't all that it should be. Keep it clean. And where at this hour of the night are you going? The
2: Restwell Chapel. Get another cab. Louis. Okay, okay. Some sport takes a girl to see a funeral parlor in the middle of the night. I'm
3: merely taking her home. She lives in a funeral parlor? She's dead in a funeral parlor. Who's dead? Miss Blake.
5: Huh? huh? Me. Excuse
3: me, but Louis. I gotta... don't take I your was hands just off gonna... the wheel. I already did. Yes, yeah, so? She said ouch.
2: Personally, I would have liked to find out for myself, but if you say so... I do. I'll take your word for it. Only how are you going to explain to the funeral parlor how riding around in cabs with you? Simple.
3: I am apparently the kind of a man a girl wouldn't mind being seen dead with. <laughs>
2: The Restwell Chapel at your service.
6: Hmm. Uh,
2: Louis. I know. Wait. But I'm telling you one thing, considering the type of company you're
3: keeping, I ain't waiting till nobody plays no hot licks and a trumpet. I thing. don't think you'll have to. Come along, Francis.
4: All right. I, I've been trying to pretend to myself that it's all some kind of a joke, but that... Funeral parlor looks too real.
3: Well, we'll find out soon enough. One nice thing about funeral parlors, they're always open.
4: That you call nice?
3: She <laughs> have a point there. Ooh, listen to that doorbell. Chopin, at least. Ah. I beg your pardon? I said, ah. Ah. <laughs> Come in, Francis. This is an hour of the Comes to all. Except in states that don't have daylight saving. I, sir, was referring to your bereavement. Ah, uh, whom are you mourning? We would like to look at Francis Blake. The hour is late, but grief knows no clock. Good heavens, an epigram. We try, sir. If you'll follow me. <laughs> Thank you.
7: Ah, uh, here we are. And there she
3: is. Beautiful, isn't she? Very.
5: (gasps) Simon, she does look like me.
3: A little bit, but hardly enough to explain. How did she get here, Miss Blakeman? The uh, police
7: brought her. Oh, I see. Uh, Who identified her? That was hardly necessary. Her coat over there in the corner. Simon! Wait a minute, Francis. What about her coat? It had her name on the
3: label. Now I shall withdraw You'll want to be alone with your grief. All right, but make a sound withdrawing, please. Uh, so we'll know you're withdrawn. Oh, really, sir, it's no use jesting. The dead never laugh. <laughs> well, he's withdrawn.
4: Simon, that's my coat. It is mine, Simon, but but look.
3: Yes, two holes in the front of it, bullet holes.
4: Bullet holes?
3: The girl here, whoever she is, was was murdered. Come on, we better get out.
4: All right, but I'm taking my coat. I don't think... It's mine, not hers. It belongs to me, even though she was murdered in it. Simon, what was that girl doing with my
3: coat? Wearing it when she was shot, presumably. But... There's another question, perhaps a more important one. Why was she shot in the first
4: place? I suppose she had enemies.
3: Have you? Back again? Yeah, we're back again. Francis. Oh, thank you. The little lady lost her place? Uh, Francis, where do you live?
4: The Thornton Towers.
3: Louis. I heard.
4: Simon, back there. Why did you ask if I had any enemies?
3: The coat's a distinctive one.
4: Well, it's a very colorful plaid.
3: Yes, the girl back at the funeral parlor was murdered while wearing it. The question comes to was her wearing the coat when she was killed merely a coincidence, or was she killed because her murderer thought she was, uh, you? The Thornton Towers. Yeah, here you are, Louis, and. Uh... I know.
2: Don't wait on account of you're sitting up with a dead friend. (laughs) Good night, Louie. Good night. Good night, folks.
4: Oh, Simon, it's so good to be back home. My apartment's down the corridor. Simon, I feel terrible. Oh, you need me. But what you said in the cab, she was wearing my coat, a very distinctive one. And then she was shot to death. That girl is dead because of me. Oh, no, we
3: don't really know that. Well, it
4: must be so. Somebody thought she was me and killed her.
3: Mm, that's possible. But
4: then that means that somebody wants to kill me.
3: Uh, this your door?
4: Oh, yes.
3: Of course, it's also possible that someone didn't like the coat. And, uh, hey, did you leave your lights on when you left? No. There's a light in the room ahead.
4: Well, that's the living room.
3: You stay here in the hall. I'll go ahead and see who it is. But I... I just want to make sure they're neutral on the subject of plaid coats or
0: you.
5: Shh. Oh. Hello.
0: Hello.
5: Ah, how she was beautiful. Your wife. My what? Your wife. It's her picture on the desk there, no?
3: Well, that does seem to be a picture of Francis.
5: And your name, she
3: is. And uh, my name's Simon.
5: Ah, it is a name that fills herself with the soul, no? No. I, I knew that tonight, of all nights, you would be lonely. Believe me, I'm so not lonely. I'm... I am here. Oh, your wife, she must have been a wonderful woman.
3: Is she, uh...
5: Your life with her was the magnificent symphony, no? Mm, chamber
3: music would probably be more accurate if you... And want.
5: now that she is, alas, gone, I am here.
3: Without even a pause for station identification. Look, who are you?
5: I am Olga. Simon, I... Wa- who is she? Olga. Who is she?
3: Francis, and now that you two have met,
5: waiting I... a moment, huh? Aha! I look on the picture. I look on the flash.
3: The what?
5: The flash, of which I might add,ing your wife is perhaps carrying a little too much here and there, huh. especially there. Now, just a minute! You
3: mustn't point, Alka. Bad
5: manners. But I am seeing your wife. She's not dead.
3: She isn't. That is, Francis isn't. If you like, you could try pinching her.
5: I never pinch. Except, boys, Simon, you are disappointing me. Goodbye.
3: Well, that was quite a performance.
5: Personally, I didn't care for her
4: cadenza.
3: Oh, I don't know. It was a nice cadenza, and the tootie was definitely fruity. Hmm. (laughs) That is, uh, um, uh, Francis, the whole thing was camouflaged. For what? Take a look at the room.
5: The room? Oh!
3: Yes, it looks as if a junior hurricane had visited it.
4: You mean somebody of... Olga searched the
3: room? Uh Uh-huh. This one and, uh, yeah, the bedroom as well.
4: But, Simon, what was she looking for?
3: I don't know. Whatever it was, she didn't find it. Our entrance stopped her search.
4: Well, I'd better start straightening things up a bit.
3: Good idea. I'll help you.
4: Well, shouldn't you be going home? Oh, I don't
3: think so. You may get some more visitors later on and rougher ones than Olga. Why? Well, maybe they'll tell us if we ask them prettily. In the meanwhile...
4: Yes, Simon.
3: We can practice the overture to that symphony Alga mentioned.
4: Simon? Yes? It's getting awfully late. (laughs) Yes, I know. You really can't sit up all night waiting for someone to come. We don't even know for sure that someone will.
3: Alga got into this apartment, and someone else did before her.
4: Someone else?
3: Of course. Your coat was stolen, wasn't it?
4: Well, I suppose, but not from the apartment, sign.
3: Not from... Well, where was it stolen from?
4: I can't be sure, of course, but I gave that coat to the cleaning shop down the block about a week ago. Cleaning shop? Mm-hmm. What's the name of it? The Carter Cleaners. Why?
3: Because evidently it started out from there to wind up on a murdered girl's body... Therefore, come on. We're going to... Yes, believe it or not, I'm taking you to the cleaners. (laughs) <laughs> Louis, I thought I told you not to wait. This is a free country? Yes. There's but... a parking limit in this here, Cape, maybe? No, but I waited. But we're only going down the block a little bit. You can't afford a quarter? I like to walk. Uh, what do you get from walk? Exercise? Uh-huh. And from exercise, an enlarged heart. From an enlarged heart, you know how many people each year drop dead? Add them up. We're walking. Come on, Francis.
4: Simon, you're worried. Moderately.
3: About all those people with enlarged hearts. Uh, this is the place.
6: Huh?
3: Yes. That yes. door's shut, but there's a light inside. Let's try. It's locked. However...
4: I think someone's coming.
3: Recognizing?
4: Yes. Yes, that's
5: Mr. Maxson, the
2: manager. Oh, what do you want? Uh, do you mind if we come in? Look, it may have escaped your attention, but it happens to be after two o'clock in the morning. Why do you want to come in? The rain. It's not raining. But suppose it starts. I here. happen to be a very tired
3: man. Well, you should go home early. I shouldn't be bothered by drunks. I'm not drunk. We've stopped by for Miss Blake's coat. Coat? Huh? The plaid. As I may have mentioned before,
2: we are not open for business. And then what are you doing here? I'm crazy about carbon tetrachloride techn- fumes. I'd still like the coat. Oh. Then please do stop by
3: in the morning.
4: Hmm. Simon, why did you...
3: I wanted to find out if the cleaning store knew the plaid coat was gone. But
4: we didn't find out, did we?
3: No, nevertheless, we've worried, Mr. Maxon. Thank heaven Louie's handy.
4: Hey, Louie! Louis.
3: <laughs> you give up, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Into the cab, Francis.
4: All right. Well... Oh.
3: Name your destination, Mr. Templer. A very long trip. Yeah? Drive to the back of the cleaning store. You'll probably have to go around the block. That alley must lead there. Okay.
4: But, Simon, why are we going to the back of the store? Because we're going in?
3: No, because I suspect Mr. Maxim is going out. All this here is maybe none of my business. It isn't. Oh, you know, a remark like that could easy hurt a fellow's feelings. I'm sorry. No, it didn't hurt mine. I'm sorry, still. But you're not spending this P.M. in the way a P.M. should be spent. Nonsense. So far, it's all been good, clean fun. That's what I mean.
4: Simon, Mr. Maxson hasn't come out of the store yet.
3: No, he may be coy, however.
4: But why should he have anything to do with anything?
3: He shouldn't, but it's very possible that <laughs> Simon! He yeah. Yeah, Mr. Maxon is shutting up shop Coming down the back alley, which confirms something or
4: other You mean if he weren't hiding something, he wouldn't use the back way Perhaps
3: we're far enough away from the alley for him not to notice Look, he's turning the corner
2: Louis I am alert Not for nothing was I a boy scout Although actually, what I was a boy scout for was a certain girl scout Hold it a minute
3: He's getting into that
2: He's a villain That's a convertible everybody knows Only villains ride around in convertibles Started, Louis. Here
0: we go.
3: Hey, look, Maxon's stopping. Yeah, I better stop right here. Uh huh. Uh-huh.
6: Simon.
4: He's going into that nightclub.
3: Interesting place for a store manager to finish his evening's work. Let's go, Francis. Uh, leave me know how the floor show is. I'll be sure to.
4: Hmm. Barker's Bandbox. I've heard
3: of the club. Yeah, and I've heard of Barker. Nothing complimentary either. Well, here it is, and in we go. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Dark, crowded, and needs ventilation. The floor show? (laughs) Emphasis on show.
4: Simon, Mr. Maxon's over there. Yeah,
3: ducking out of the door near the piano. Let's follow in these shifty footsteps, huh? Gee, I hope nobody
4: notices. With what's going
3: on, or rather coming off, I don't think so. Oh...
4: So
6: dark in this hallway. Yeah, listen. I can't hear what they're saying. We can get a little
7: closer. Silent. Now wait a minute, Barker. I'm going wait long enough. Where are the stones? I told you the girl disappeared. I know what you told me. Don't give me the stones now. Suppose you tell me where the stones are. I
8: I, I don't know
3: where they are. Stones. Yeah, Barker's Look, got quite a reputation as a crook say, of various kinds. Stones are jewelry and unquestionably on, stolen stone. jewelry. I, having fun, fellas. Oh.
7: Hope I didn't frighten you, lady. Coming up behind you two nosy people like this. <laughs>
3: that was her asthma. Yeah. This here's a rod.
4: How, uh, how cute. Could I see it? Uh, let go. Simon, I've got his gun. Yeah, and I've
3: got a fist. Let's see what happens. How, uh, how gratifying. I hit him and he fell down. Jake! Come on. All that could happen to us in here... Jake! ...would be fatal. <laughs> They fired at us, I yeah, don't. know, it's always a little nervous-making. Well, here we are. Thanks, Simon. No, not yet, I'm going in with you. But, no, for safety. Oh.
6: You,
4: you think maybe... I'm
3: just not taking any chances. Foyer's all right? Living room? Francis.
5: What?
3: Don't look across the room. Olga's back, but this time she's staying. What do you mean... It's, I thought you wouldn't see her. She isn't beautiful anymore. Oh, no.
5: Just dead.
3: I'd better phone the police.
4: Wait, Simon. You know this thing started with Francis Blake
3: being dead. But it wasn't Francis Blake. It was another show. And
4: then someone else got killed. Olga.
3: Still not Francis Blake.
4: But, Simon, the next time, do you... Do you think maybe it will be? (laughs)
2: Boys, let's
3: get out of here. Good
2: uh, night, Temple. Uh, good night, Lieutenant. Thanks for
3: dropping over. Exit Alka, exit police. Francis.
4: Yes, Simon?
3: You better go to bed. I'll stay on. It's almost morning anyway.
4: Oh, I couldn't sleep. Would you like me to uh, fix us some breakfast?
3: Oh, I say, that's not a bad idea if you feel up to it.
4: Oh, I don't know how I feel. You stay right where you are. It won't take me more than a few minutes.
3: All right. <laughs>
7: Okay, that's all the sound you're gonna make, sister. The gun's loaded. If you got ideas about yelling for help, remember this. Bullets get to you quicker than help. Let's get out of here by the service door like I come in. But
4: Simon and the
7: boyfriend, I... you'll write him a letter from where you're going. If you're lucky, sister. And I hope you're lucky. You're too pretty to enjoy dying so quick. <laughs>
3: Hey, Francis, what are you cooking? Steak? Francis. I don't intend to oversee your cooking, but... Francis. Francis.
7: Oh, here she is, Mr. Parker. Yeah. Nice work,
4: Jake. Hi, I want to know what this is all about.
7: Yeah, I bet you do. You and me both, baby. What'd you do with the stones? The
4: stones? Yeah,
7: yeah, the chorus girl's delight, the old man's charm, the stones.
4: Oh, you mean jewels. I don't have any.
7: Maybe not on you, but you're going to tell us where they are, won't you, baby?
4: Suppose I don't know.
7: I wouldn't care to believe that. Well,
4: you'd better start because I don't
7: know. All right. I'll start not believing you. Jake. Yeah? I don't believe her. I don't think she's behaving right. You don't, huh? I don't. Ah, Okay, Mr. Barker.
4: What What are you going to do?
7: I'm going to slap you around a bit. It's going to hurt you more than it hurts me, too.
4: Oh, no. You you can't.
7: Want (laughs) to bet? Hold it. Hold it a minute, Jake. I'll get it.
3: Yeah? Barker? Who are you? Simon Templer got Francis Blake there, haven't you?
7: It's your phone
3: call. You must have. Listen, if you don't hurt her in any way, I'll get you the stones you're looking for. She doesn't know where they are. Matter of fact, where are the stones? The Carter Cleaner Shop. Look, don't hand me
7: that. We've already been through the joint. But you didn't know where to look. Yeah? That ah, could be a deal. Okay. But your girlfriend will be under a gun all the time. First funny move and she gets it. No funny moves. We'll be saying you. Okay, Jake, we will go on visiting. Maybe we'll trade in a babe for the stones. If the stones are handed over, if they ain't, we'll just trade her in.
3: Good morning and... Oh, you were here last night. That's right, Mr. Maxson. I was looking for a plaid coat. Yes, maybe it would be here on this rack. Oh, it wouldn't be there. You see, this rack is for dresses. And this is for last night. Uh Sorry to have upset you, Mr. Maxon, but company's coming and I've got to set the table for them.
7: Blue uniforms are on Parker, Jake. Okay. Here we go, baby.
4: I can walk by myself. Yeah,
7: I know, I know, but I enjoy your company. Simon! Hello, Francis. You temper? That's right. Simon, I. Hey, stay next to me, sister. I better just lock the door so we won't be interrupted. All right, where are the stones? Yeah, they're in the place here. They must be.
3: I don't like the sound of that. It could be a stall. Uh, uh, oh. What's well, that? Mr. Maxson, he fell down while he was pressing some suits or something. Yeah?
7: Get up, Maxson. Come on. Yeah.
2: Uh, uh, oh, oh. Oh, hello, Mr. Barker. Hello, Rat. Oh, you, you don't have to talk that way, Mr. Barker. I can't help it if the stones were stolen from me, if the woman double-crossed me. This babe here? Yeah. Why don't you work her over, Mr. Barker, and, and her boyfriend? After all, they're the ones who killed Olga, aren't they? It was a narrow path. Never mind
7: Olga. I like the kid. I sent her out the job. She got it. Business, you got to cut your losses when you have to. I still want the stones. Are hey, you. They are here. They have to be. Then find them. I've looked, but they're hidden cleverly. You sound like a guy up a tree, mister, and in just a couple of seconds, I'm going to
3: cut that tree down. Tree? You hey, wait a minute. Tree? Suppose you wanted to hide a tree so you couldn't find it. Where would you hide it? I ain't interested in hiding trees. You'd hide it in a forest, of course. Therefore, going through the place I noticed. Francis, go through that dress rack. Dress rack? I find a dress, any dress that doesn't seem to belong.
4: Well, all I...
3: right. I don't get it, boys. Who wants to
7: hide a tree? Get up. A... Maybe dress it.
4: Oh, Sarah. I'm not sure what you mean, but this shop is in a pretty expensive neighborhood. All the dresses here are very good ones, except this one. It's quite cheap, covered with cheap rhinestones. Let me have it.
3: Yes, of course, it doesn't belong here. Why is it here? Because it's a forest. Looks like a rag to me, not like a forest. Then suppose you take another look at some of the rhinestones, on. Huh? Let me have it. Hey, yeah. Most of the things sewn on that dress are cheap rhinestones, but among them... Are the genuine stones The ones we've been looking for.
6: Well,
7: nice work, Max. I,
2: I. I. I didn't know anything about it. Somebody else must have done the, the frame here. Nah, no, no, kid. Wait a minute, Parker. Wait. Wait. I, I, I... For
7: what? I'm going to tell you something, Max. No, I... You sure told him. Never did like a double crosser.
3: Hey, where are you going? Well, it occurred to me you mightn't like witnesses either. Oh. Oh. Thank you. stay behind me. Hey, what are you the machines build up quite a lot of steam pressure. I kicked the outlet pipe off, and it seems it's you. you. Better strand Barker, unless you want to get
6: parboiled. Oil. you? us oh, out of here. Come on. Let's go. You're leaving us? Oh, they've gone.
3: Yes, Francis, but not for long. And the police won't have much trouble picking them up with them all... <laughs> forgive me, but I can't resist it. <laughs> with them all steamed up. Yeah.
4: Terribly grateful, but I can't resist, Francis, asking you what it was all about.
3: Oh, oh an intellectual, huh? <laughs> well, you see, Francis, Maxon and Barker were partners in the jewelry business, illegitimate. Oh. Uh, they worked out a nice idea. They'd use very distinctive clothes left with a cleaning shop as disguises for themselves and their confederates.
4: Oh, and disguises which couldn't be traced because they'd lead back only to perfectly innocent people who had alibis and everything. Mm -hmm,
3: Right. And the last job they did involved a girl who wore your plaid coat while stealing the jewels. Maxon, however, decided he wanted all the jewels for himself. So he killed the girl and hid the stones. And Olga? He had to kill Olga because she suspected something wrong and came to this apartment because that's where the plaid coat came from.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, but how did you know that Maxon had killed her?
3: Back in the shop, he said Olga had been killed in this apartment. How did he know that?
4: Because he'd killed her. Oh, Simon, what would I have done without you?
3: <laughs> the question is, what are you going to do with me? <laughs>
2: You've been listening to another transcribed adventure of the saint, the Robin Hood of modern crime. Now, here is our star, Vincent Price. Ladies and gentlemen, our cast tonight included
3: Shirley Mitchell, Viola Vaughn, Larry Dobkin, Lou Merrill, Tony Barrett, and Jack Moyles. This is Vincent Price inviting you to join us again next week at the same time for another exciting adventure of the saint. Good night.
2: to The Saint was written by Louis Vittes. The music was composed and conducted by Von Dexter. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris, is a James L. Saffier production and is directed by Helen Mack. Vincent Price is soon to be seen co-starring in RKO's production of His Kind of Woman. All you Saint fans will be glad to know that The Saint comic books are on sale at all newsstands. Your announcer is Don Stanley. Programs, get your programs here. Tomorrow night, tune here for Nightbeat. Hear the unusual tales uncovered by reporter Randy Stone as he searches Chicago after dark for human interest stories. Tomorrow night and every Monday night, hear Nightbeat. And then stay tuned for the first piano quartet. Next, Sam Spade cuts a caper. Then, Rose Bampton sings on
6: NBC.
1: Stay tuned for Our Miss Brooks next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Our Miss Brooks is next, and Connie is having trouble connecting with Mr. Boynton ever since he joined the volunteer fire department.
8: Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay and luster cream shampoo. For soft, glamorous, caressable hair, bring you Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. (laughs) Time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks, under the direction of Al Lewis. Well, the fall semester is definitely upon us, and Our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School, has more or less settled down to her accustomed routine.
9: Yes, and like many of my fellow teachers, I'm a firm believer in the old adage, early to bed. Only I've switched it a little. I believe that early to bed, early to rise, makes a gal sleepy, poor, and bored. (laughs) So whenever possible, I try to get some male faculty member at Madison to take me out for an evening Any male faculty member will do, as long as he teaches biology and is named Philip Boynton (laughs) Last Thursday at breakfast, my landlady asked for a blow-by-blow
10: Weren't you supposed to have a date with Mr. Boynton last night, Connie? Yes, Mrs. Davis, I was supposed to, but he couldn't make it But Connie, uh, I thought that twice a week you and Mr. Boynton... Well, I thought that last night was your night to howl.
9: I did howl, but... I did howl, but he still wouldn't take me out. (laughs) Mrs. Davis, I'm competing with a new and dangerous interest. You mean Mr. Boynton got another batch of guinea
6: pigs?
9: (laughs) No, he's joined the volunteer fire department. And unlike the old-fashioned kind, this group insists on practically the same tests as regular firemen. They practice at least twice a week. Well, it was nice to have almost known him. But Connie,
10: you can't give up that easily. Even if Mr. Boynton is so interested in firefighting that he's joined the volunteers, there is still a way you can see him. Start a fire? <laughs> Certainly not. You've simply got to get interested in the same thing that interests him. There's nothing like throwing yourself into a man's work. I wonder how he'd like me, rare or well done. <laughs> I'm serious, Connie. You've got to help him with his practice. What's Mr. Boynton's current assignment?
9: The high ladder rescue. He gets his test in a few days. It consists of lugging a sack of meal down a ladder. I've got it. This is your big chance. Surely he'd prefer
10: you to a sack of meal.
6: (laughs)
9: As far as Mr. Boynton's concerned, it's probably optional. (laughs) Wait a minute. There is a way I can help out. He hasn't got a house to put his ladder up against. Now, if I could find one for him. You're both welcome to this house, Connie. Oh, that's very sweet of you, Mrs. Davis, but where would you live?
6: Oh, I... <laughs> this is only a
9: one-story house. He's got a pretty high ladder.
10: Then, uh, how about your principal's home? The Conklin's have a two-story house.
9: Say, that's right. But Mr. Conklin would never let us use it. He'd be afraid the paint would be scratched or something. <laughs> then use it without his knowing it. Wait until he goes out
10: for the evening. But suppose he doesn't go out? Connie. Who's coming to drive you to school this morning? Walter Denton. And who's Walter's girlfriend? Harriet Conklin. And who better than Walter would know how to get rid of Mr. Conklin for an evening?
9: Hand me my hatchet and grease up the pole. Here goes Connie Brooks' girl, Hotfoot. <laughs> You certainly take good care of this car, Walter. Even the windows look spotless. They
6: should.
11: I took all the glass out. (laughs) But you said when you first came aboard that there's something you want to ask me. What is it, Miss Brooks? Well, first of all, you're still going with Harriet Conklin, aren't you? I'm still trying to, but I haven't seen much of Harriet this week. Old Marblehead, Mr. Conklin, (laughs) made her stay home every night.
9: Worse than that, he stays home with her. Well, Walter, I'll come right to the point. We've got to get him out of the house tonight, if only for a few hours. Why tonight? Because Mr. Boynton's got to practice ladder rescue. If you ask me what ladder he's going to rescue, I'll slug you. (laughs) You see, Mr. Boynton's joined the volunteer fire department. Oh, I know. So have I. I've been practicing for those tests, too. But your folks don't have a two-story house.
11: That's all right. I don't have a ladder either. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Boynton said I could borrow his as soon as he finds a place to practice.
9: Oh, good. Now, if we can get Mr. Conklin out of the house tonight, we can use his place. Well, frankly, Miss Brooks,
11: we'd have a much better chance of getting him out of the house three days from now. What happens three days from now? Well, that's one day after his ten-day free trial period on a new television set expires. (laughs) And it's also one day before his ten-day free trial on the next set begins
9: (laughs) He just orders sets on trial Sure Well, at that rate, he can keep getting free television Till the whole thing blows over
6: (laughs) You see,
9: that's what's so tough about tonight
11: Plus which, if he thought somebody wanted him to go out He'd be doubly sure to stay home
9: He's like a child that way You know, perverse You're right, Walter Say, wait a minute. That gives me an idea. Maybe we can use child psychology on him. What happens when you tell a kid he must eat his spinach? Would you mind using another vegetable? (laughs) (laughs) Now, don't you see, Walter? Some people just naturally resent suggestion. I get it. If you say
11: Mr. Conklin is sick, he'll say he's well. Or if you insist he ought to stay home, he'll want to go out. Miss Brooks, you've got something.
9: Thanks, Walter. And when you find out what it is, be sure and let Mr. Boynton (laughs) in.
8: How many times must I tell you, Harriet, that a principal's office is not the place to discuss personal matters?
12: But, Daddy, I just want to know if Walter Denton can come over to our house tonight.
8: And the answer, as it has been for the past two weeks, is No.
12: (sighs) Daddy, you're frustrating me. Don't you see how deeply I care for Walter? Don't you realize that someday we're going to be married? Married? It's no use arguing, Father. Mother's often told me that when she had her mind made up to marry you, nothing could change it.
2: Not even me.
8: <laughs> but, Harriet, this is a school, not a lonesome hearts club. I don't want you seeing Denton, and that's final. Now get ready for your first class.
12: All right, Daddy, I'll go. But remember this. Nothing or nobody can keep Walter and me apart indefinitely. Love will find a way for us as it has for others. Even if we have to elope, we'll someday, somehow... Uh,
8: Good morning, Harriet.
12: Good morning, Father. Good morning, Harriet.
9: Goodbye, Miss Brooks. Walter
8: Denton. Miss Brooks, I'd like to put a question to you as a woman.
9: One minute, I'll get in the mood. (laughs) All right, what's the question, Mr. Conklin?
8: What can a girl possibly see in Walter Denton?
9: Well, that's hard to say, Mr. Conklin. Different people see different things in each one of us. For instance, I'm sure that certain girls can see as much in Walter as certain men see in me.
8: Well, that's a relief. (laughs) Yes! Now, then, what did you want to see me about, Miss Brooks?
9: I just wanted to know if I could stop by your house tonight. I'd like to discuss a few changes in curriculum. Well,
8: yes, I suppose you can see me tonight.
9: Of course, it doesn't have to be tonight. I know you're home practically every night.
8: That's true, that's true. When I get home after a day's work, I like to stay put.
9: My grandmother was the same way. (laughs) Wild horses couldn't get her out of the house once she started nudging 70.
8: I'm sure that my reasons for staying at home Differ greatly from those of your grandmother I have my books, my family, and other cultural pursuits
9: Oh, I know Who do you like in the wrestling match tonight? Well, I think
8: Tiger Shlepkovich will fracture the devil man
9: (laughs) Me too Isn't television a great boon?
0: Yes, it is
9: Especially to those who don't get around much anymore.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
9: Miss Brooks. I, I don't th- blame people of advancing years for staying home evenings. After all, it's nice to be within easy reach of your favorite chair, your pipe and slippers, your doctor's phone number. <laughs> My touch.
8: Miss Brooks, the reasons I have for staying at home have nothing to do with the advancing years or ill health. I could do anything today that I could do ten years ago. I could go out every night of the week if I wanted to.
9: I must admire your spirit, sir, but after all, I'm sure that wouldn't be necessary. Not as far as your wife is concerned. Although, almost any woman would get just the tiniest bit envious if she heard that a young principal like Jason Brill takes his wife dancing twice a week.
8: Jason Brill? Dancing?
9: Only last Friday evening I saw him at the Silver Slipper Cafe.
8: The Silver Slipper? Did he say anything about me?
9: Why, yes, come to think of it, he did. I think he said, how's old stick-in-the-mud Osgood?
8: <laughs> what? Why, that... You... You... Hello?
12: Well, you don't have to bite my head off, dear.
8: Don't dare me, you old...
5: Who? 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 you, darling?
6: Yeah. Hello? <laughs> <laughs> I
12: forgot to you left this morning, uh, but this is my thorough cleaning day, and you'll have to pick up some things for dinner tonight.
8: All right, Martha, I'll, I'll, uh, Just a second. Why should we have to do any shopping today? We're going out to dinner.
12: What did you say, dear?
8: I said we're going out to dinner.
12: Osgood, I think we have a bad connection. <laughs>
8: What's bad about it? I can hear you perfectly.
12: I know, dear, but for a moment there, I thought you said we were going out to dinner.
8: That's exactly what I did say.
12: Early to be celebrating? Our anniversary
6: isn't until June. <laughs> Martha,
8: Martha, we're going out to dinner, and then we're going to the Silver Slipper to dance. I'll see you later. Goodbye. Well,
6: goodbye, Osgood.
8: Ah, too old to go dancing, am I, Miss Brooks? What was it, Jason Brill called me again?
9: I can't be sure, but I think it was. Let's live a little, Osgood. <laughs> period and I arrived at the school cafeteria at the same time, and by an unusual daily coincidence, I found myself sitting opposite Mr. Boynton. I was so pleased at the way I'd secured a place for him to practice for his firefighting test that I could hardly wait to tell him about it, so I didn't. Mr. Boynton, I found a place for you to practice your ladder rescue.
13: <laughs> My ladder rescue? That's wonderful, Miss Brooks, but I didn't know you were so interested in the VFL.
9: VFL?
13: Volunteer fire laddies.
9: Oh, but I am, Mr. Boynton I think putting out fires is wonderful So much better than just letting them go on (laughs) But aren't you going to ask me Whose home we're honoring with your ladder tonight? Yes, whose? The Conklin's
13: The Conklins? Oh, Miss Brooks, you know how Mr. Conklin stands on extracurricular activities Even though I feel it's my civic duty to participate Mr. Conklin would never... Mr.
9: Conklin isn't going to know about it He and Mrs. Conklin are going out for the evening You see, Mr. Boynton, I'd like to assist you tonight.
13: What can you do, Miss Brooks?
9: Well, there's no law that says you have to carry a sack of meal down the ladder, is there?
13: Certainly not. I could carry a sack of flour. (laughs) A sack of potatoes, or an old mattress, or a barrel.
9: You're getting warmer. (laughs) Look, Mr. Boynton, I know how important this test is to you, and I want to help you.
13: Oh, that's all right, Miss Brooks. I can carry the sack down by myself.
9: <laughs> this boy isn't paying attention. <laughs> Mr. Boynton, what I had in mind was something more practical for you to rehearse with. Like what? Like me. You could carry me down the ladder. After all, I don't weigh any more than a sack of meal.
13: Well, that's true, and both your general shapes are about I'll to... make...
6: <laughs>
9: I'm sure it would work out fine, Mr. Baringham.
13: Well I don't know. it's pretty risky after all, there's a big difference between having a sack of meal over my shoulder and having you over my shoulder. I can't tell you exactly what it is, but I know there's a
9: difference If <laughs> as and when you find out what that difference is, you're going to be one surprised fire, lad. <laughs>
13: Certainly nice of Harriet Conklin to let me use her room for this latter practice. But I hope her folks don't come home.
9: Oh, they won't. Mr. Conklin's whooping it up tonight. Probably painting the town gray. <laughs> Besides, Walter Denton will be practicing with us.
13: We are well chaperoned.
9: Darn Thank it. goodness.
6: <laughs>
9: if you're going to pass your test, Mr. Boynton, we'd better start. Uh-uh. Looks pretty far down to the ground from here.
13: Oh, it's only two stories, and I'll be very careful how I hold you.
9: That's for
6: sure. <laughs> now,
13: we'll use the fireman's carry. First, put both your arms over my left shoulder. No, 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 let's see. Put your left arm over my right shoulder while I put my right arm under your left one and place my left leg on, on the second rung of the ladder. N- now, your right leg goes to the right of mine over the windowsill, and I... <laughs> Miss Brooks.
9: Yes, Mr. Boynton?
13: Did you notice what happened to my left arm? <laughs>
9: It's right here, Mr. Boyden. But I think there's something slightly wrong with the directions you've been giving me. Why? I'm carrying you.
13: <laughs> Sorry, I should know that fireman's carry by now. All I have to do is get you over my right shoulder. Here we go.
6: Oh,
9: come now. <laughs>
13: all right, Miss Brooks?
9: Perfect, Mr. Boynton. You've got a very soft shoulder.
13: Now, now, hang on tight.
9: It's more important that you hang on tight.
13: Here we go. Hey, pretty creaky ladder.
9: Oh, I thought it was me.
13: <laughs> Just a few more rungs, Now we'll set you right down on good old terra firma. There.
9: Thank you for a very pleasant trip. No,
11: good for you, Mr. Boynton. That was a perfect carry. Don't you think so, Miss Brooks? I'd do it again
9: in a minute. So would I. So long, Walter.
11: <laughs> just a second. I've got to climb up to Harriet's room and practice getting some more valuables down to safety. Where is Harriet, Walter? Well, when Mr. Boynton and I take our test, they're going to simulate actual fire conditions. So, Harriet went to borrow a smudge pot. A smudge pot? Where are you going to take this test? In
9: an orange grove?
11: Well, That's just to make a lot of smoke so we get the feeling that we're really saving somebody. Oh. Well, I'll see you in a few minutes,
13: folks. Don't carry too much down this trip, Wally. You've got the driveway loaded with bric-a-brac now. Okay. Well, Miss Brooks, it's, it's quite a nice evening, isn't it?
9: Yes, it is, especially for this kind of work.
8: If you don't mind a third opinion, I think it's a perfect night for this kind of work.
9: Why, it's a policeman. Hello, officer.
13: Yes, hello, officer. I suppose you'd like an explanation as to what we're doing here.
8: Take your time. I've already made a wild
6: guess.
8: (laughs) What do you mean? The evidence is all around you. Now, let's not waste each other's time. Where's the getaway car?
9: Getaway car? Oh, officer, you don't think we're common ordinary thieves, do you?
8: On the contrary, I think you're extraordinary. (laughs) You know, it isn't everyone who'd put a ladder up in a driveway right off the street at nine o'clock at night.
13: But, officer, you don't understand. I'm a teacher at Madison High School.
9: I'm a teacher at Madison High, too.
8: Poverty is no
6: excuse.
9: <laughs> uh,
8: do you know whose home this
13: is you've been looting? But, officer, we haven't been looting. Well, Here I come and I'm loaded. <laughs>
6: ah, another confederate
8: with a lamp and a vase under his arm.
9: That happens to be Walter Denton, and he's a student of ours.
8: He's learned his lessons well. (laughs) Here, let me give you a hand, son.
9: Thanks very much. Oh, that was a cinch. I just... Oops, it's the law. What are you acting
11: so
8: guilty about, Walter? Yes, Walter, whatever you do, don't act guilty.
9: Of course not. Just brazen it out. Ooh, what am I saying? <laughs> now,
8: come along with me, all of you. I'm taking you down to the station.
12: But, officer, you've got to listen. You... Good evening, officer. Hi, folks. Look what I got.
8: Another one. <laughs> Where have you been? Working the other side of the house? <laughs> I just
12: straighten him out, Harriet. He thinks we're a bunch of crooks. Crooks? But I live here, officer. I'm Harriet Conklin, and, and these are my friends. I just went down the block to borrow this smudge pot.
8: Smudge pot? And what are you going to do with that?
12: I'm going to put it in my bedroom.
6: (laughs) If that doesn't
9: answer your question, you're a disgrace to your uniform.
12: (laughs) Don't you see, officer? Mr. Boynton here and my boyfriend, Walder, have joined the volunteer fire department, and they're just practicing for their ladder test. The smudge pot is just to make it seem more realistic. Well, look. Here's my key ring with my name and address and the key to the front door. Doesn't that convince you that I live here?
8: Well, I could have been mistaken, I guess. I beg your pardon, folks.
12: Oh, that's okay, officer.
13: Anybody can make a mistake. Good night, officer.
9: Not so fast. (laughs) I suggest that you be a little more careful about who you go around calling crooks. What? You heard me, and if it happens again, I'll have you back pounding a beat.
6: (laughs) But I am pounding a beat.
9: Well, then, I'll see that you get a dirty (laughs) bag.
8: Well, Martha, we're almost home. I only hope we're in time.
12: But, Osgood, driving home in the middle of the evening like this, I think your suspicions are fantastic. Just because we find out the silver slipper's been closed for a month, why should you get the wild idea that Walter and Harriet are eloping?
8: It came to me in a flash. (laughs) <laughs> Only this morning, Harriet threatened to run away with that lame-brained dunce. Then Miss Brooks came to my office with that cock and bull story about seeing Jason Brill at the Silver Slipper last week. But, Osgood... Miss Brooks that... instigated the whole plot to get me out of the house tonight.
12: But, Osgood, that's absurd. You might just as well say that, that Miss Brooks was going to elope with Walter.
8: Believe me, they deserve each other. <laughs> against Harriet's window. They're climbing down right now. Come on! Stand right where you are!
12: Mr. Conklin, what are you doing home so early?
8: Never mind that. What are you two up to?
12: Watch out down there! Why, that's Mr. Boynton coming down the ladder, but what's that he's got over his shoulder?
8: Looks like a sack of meal to me.
9: If that's who I think it is, I might as well be.
8: Here, Here we are. Mr. Conklin, you're home. Yes, I'm home. I'm not a minute too soon from the looks of things.
9: Now, there's no reason to get excited, Mr. Conklin. We'd have told you all about it sooner or later.
8: Now, that's extremely decent of you.
12: <laughs> how could you do this, Walter?
9: Why not? He's had plenty of practice.
8: <laughs> we know why Denton's here, but you, Boynton, how did you get into this?
9: He just answered a call for volunteers.
8: <laughs> volunteers?
9: Sure. And it was the same thing
11: with Walter. It looks a lot more dangerous than it is. After all, it isn't like I haven't tried it before.
6: (laughs) (laughs) You've
13: tried
8: it before?
12: Many times. But you're so young.
13: You're never too
8: young to start. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Boynton, you amaze me.
8: And so do you, Miss Brooks. I know you're extremely fond of Mr. Boynton. But just what did you mean by that remark about volunteers?
9: Well, it's fairly obvious. I just meant that Mr. Boynton will only be called upon in an emergency.
8: <laughs> an emergency?
9: Certainly. Supposing the regular department is busy. Somebody's got to put out the fire. <laughs> I
12: don't understand a bit of this. What are these things doing in the driveway?
8: It isn't enough that you were all going to elope. You were taking my furniture along to set up housekeeping.
11: Oh, gosh, Mr. Conklin. We weren't eloping. Mr. Boynton and I were just practicing for our volunteer fireman's test.
8: A likely story. What does the fire department need volunteers for? There aren't enough fires in this town to keep a seltzer bottle busy.
12: Oh, I don't know, Osgood. It never hurts
9: to be prepared. Of course not. Now, take that smoke that's coming from Harriet's window, for instance. Smoke? Mother! It's smoke! Our house is on fire! <laughs> Please, Daddy, don't get so excited. It's only... Quiet, Harriet. A man's got a right to get excited when his house is on fire. Fortunately, Mr. Boynton is here to put it right out.
13: But that smoke's being caused by... Never
9: mind the cause. You're the cure. Come <laughs> you go, Mr. Boynton. We'll show Mr. Conklin how lucky he is that we happen to be in the vicinity tonight.
13: Oh, I get it. Here I go, folks. I'll put out that blaze. Don't you think we should call the regular department?
6: Oh, no. Not with Chief Boynton on the job. Go to it, Chief. I'm
12: right behind you, Chief. Miss Brooks, why are you climbing the ladder? Because Mr. Boynton only
9: knows one way to get down. (laughs) Where is he going to find a sack of meal in a burning building? (laughs)
8: And now, once again, here is our Miss Brooks.
9: Well, Mr. Conklin was so relieved when his house didn't burn down that he let Mr. Boynton, Walter, and myself go scot-free. It was still early, so I suggested, after we dropped Walter off, that Mr. Boynton could get a little more experience by climbing up to the roof of Mrs. Davis's house. Much to my surprise, he agreed.
13: Now, about this fireman's carry, Miss Brooks...
9: Uh, let me help, Mr. Boynton. First, I put my right arm over your left shoulder, then my left arm around your right shoulder. Now, I join my hands behind your neck. Now, hold me tight, Mr. Boynton. Tighter. A little tighter, please. There, that's fine.
13: Yes, that does seem about right. Miss Brooks, where's the ladder?
9: Ladder? Don't be silly. I kicked that away long ago. (laughs)
0: Brooks show brought to you by Lester
8: Tain Shampoo for soft, glamorous, derisable hair, and gold-gate metal to your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop deep decay. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced by Larry Burns, written by Al Lewis, with music by Wilbur Hatch.
6: <laughs> Be with us
8: again next week at this same time for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Bob Lamont speaking. que nos
1: Hey, thanks very much for listening. My thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support and executive producer Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly
0: produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.